DJ and PK. Time to welcome in Tim Brando from Fox Sports, play-by-play broadcaster. See him on a lot of big games across the uh, Fox family of networks. He joins us now on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Tim, good morning. David, uh, good morning. Patrick, good to be with both of you. I'm uh... I've got a little time here before I catch my flight to Indianapolis. We've got a great one on uh, uh, Wednesday night uh, with uh, Butler and Seton Hall, number five versus number 18. So headed out there this afternoon. It is college basketball season now that it's all over for college football. And for uh, LSU, 15-0, they beat so many ranked teams. They beat so many top 10 teams. They beat all of the preseason top four. It was an overwhelmingly fabulous season for them. You want to put them up there with any of the all-time teams? You just find that to be impossible. Well, I think that um, we live in an era when that question has kind of come up and you've got to be prepared to respond to it. I do think that their accomplishment in the modern era of college football is, uh, and when I say modern era, okay, I think you begin with the godforsaken BCS period and move forward, 1998 forward. Um, and, and this is without question statistically based on all the numbers that you just mentioned, beating the preseason AP top four, never done. Uh, you know, a lot of teams have won national titles, but, uh, you know, you generally don't get to play, you know, the AP top four teams. But uh, to some extent, because of the, the playoff and uh, additional games now, uh, the chances of, um, of, of playing at least two or three of the top four are there. And in this case, because the SEC was a dominant league uh, all season long, um, they, they do have the right to be able to say, hey, we did something, even that Miami team in 2001 – uh, did not do, and that team was, I think, as loaded a team as, as you'll ever recall. Uh, Eleven first-round draft picks were on that team uh, back in '01, and uh, they were they were dynamite. When you go you talk about the pantheon, though, the entire landscape of college football, and you bring in uh, every generation, you know, we got a different conversation really to have. Uh, I don't think that there's any any doubt that Joe Burrow had the best ever. Uh, season in the history of the quarterback position in college football. And for him to be a member of the transfer portal and to have gone from 16 touchdown passes to 60 is a a bit of a jolt that I don't think anyone has ever even contemplated happening uh, in a college football season. So, um, and and by the way, um, uh, I, I will give you a hint. He's not done picking up... He's not done picking up hardware. He's got more hardware to come. Stay tuned uh, for that. All of the uh, all of the college football awards for this year are not are not in, and uh, I'm going to be able to see him and uh, and uh, talk to him about uh, his final one coming up um, uh, this week. So, you know, I'm I'm excited about um, about the prospects of that. I'm I'm going to go into Baton Rouge and, and see Joe. Uh, on Wednesday after my game tomorrow night uh, on on FS1, so uh, it's just remarkable what he's done. And, and Orgeron is—you uh, couldn't script the story uh, in college football uh, any better than this. Uh, I don't know that uh, Spielberg could uh, grab the character uh, that would be the proper one to play Ed Orgeron, <laughs> you know, and do what he's done as a homespun 
um, in-state guy that grew up where he did in uh, South Lafourche Parish. And uh, the, the the school was too big for him to be a recruit, uh, so he left after two weeks on campus and went back to La Rose. And his dad made him dig ditches and get back on the shrimp boat until Bobby Abear called him and asked him to come to a smaller school, which is only about an hour from where uh, I live in Shreveport in Natchitoches, Louisiana, to play at Northwestern State. So it, it was he was too he was a too small town a guy to even think he could go to school at LSU. Now he's the face of LSU and he's a national championship coach that even most of the LSU fans didn't want three years ago. They would have far preferred Tom Herman or Jimbo Fisher. And now look, so pretty incredible story when you put it in that, um, you know, in that light. You know, from a national perspective, Tim, is it a bad look that the Pac-12 loses Leach to the SEC? I don't think so. Uh, I think it's another. I think that's a big blanket. I think that's too broad a brush uh, to paint with to some extent. Uh, It certainly doesn't help uh, the Pac-12's image. Um, But but Pullman. Uh, you can make a case that Starkville is a bigger Pullman and that Starkville is a richer Pullman. Um, and, and just as Pullman was to um, the Pac-12, what Texas Tech was to the Big 12. So this is a, and to my way of thinking, a, a rather predictable uh, move from Leach's point of view. Honestly, as a, a guy that covered the SEC for the lion's share of his four decades in this business, I never thought an SEC school would pull the trigger uh, for for Mike. I just didn't. I thought that he was um, uh, he would he would not necessarily be a um, an intellectual fit, b uh, the proper political fit, uh, and c uh, maybe just a bit too uh, on on the edge in terms of his offensive. Uh, his offensive philosophy for for an SEC school or athletic director to feel comfortable with in the fan uh, with the fan base that they have, but I don't think there's any question. Looking at his response from the, the response that fans at Mississippi State gave him, that uh, the decision John Cohen, the athletic director, made, and, and John has been around for quite some time, great baseball coach uh, for a long period of time. Uh, just as Tanner was at South Carolina, he knew he had to make a big time hire because the last one he made didn't work out. You know, the he needed someone that was going to stir the pot and to be the perfect counter for Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. In so many ways, I think uh, Mike has um, Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin to thank for Mississippi State being bold enough to go out and say, "Okay, Mike, bring your act here. We're ready for it." Um, so no, I'm not going to say that this is a big, big loss for Washington State. Uh, I think it's um, uh, an obvious uh, great hire for, for Mississippi State. But for, for Washington State, I, I think that um, they probably knew this day was coming. Uh, it may surprise them that it came from uh, the SEC, but I think they probably knew this day was coming. Tim Brando joining us, Fox Sports play-by-play broadcaster. You know, from the Pac-12's perspective, Clay Elton stays at USC. A lot of people don't think that he can have a nationally significant season, even if he has a good one. Uh, Chris Peterson steps away at Washington. Oregon and Utah lose quarterbacks. Is there any reason to think that uh, 
they'll be a, a big, bad, awesome team at the top of the Pac-12 or another year with a two-loss champion awaits? Well, look, Oregon is legit. And, and, and I'm still not sure that, uh, that uh, even though that it didn't end the way anyone in Utah wanted it to end, uh, and it certainly surprised me the manner in which it ended for, for Utah. Uh, and again, Oregon had a lot to do with that. I mean, they, they, they outplayed them in every sense of the word in the, in the Pac-12 title game. But I still think the foundation and the program in general uh, in Salt Lake is, is, is in great shape. Uh, I think plummeting all the way to the Alamo Bowl, uh, as great a record as Kyle has in bowl games, that was a tough sell for he and his staff to get his team properly prepared to play. Um, you know, everybody else that lost their conference championship game had a, uh, a much nicer consolation prize than did Utah. And I think that showed up in the way they didn't show up, uh, in San Antonio. And, and allowed uh, a Texas team that, in my opinion, was vulnerable to to dominate them. Uh, so I, I think that um, I think Utah can still be a factor, and I and I certainly think that um, even when so much is made of the recruiting situation uh, at USC, and, and I get to that, that to a certain extent because so much of what moves the needle uh, with college football fans and alumni is is recruiting based. Uh, but I mean, Clay did have some impressive wins, including the one against Utah earlier in the year. Uh, I think I think the story at UCLA uh, with USC next year will be somewhat compelling because, in a lot of ways, even though you really didn't see it in the Utah game, UCLA is improving. Uh, Chip is now slowly, kind of under the radar, getting some of his guys in there. And, and, and they may be a little bit of a factor uh, next year. So, look, the Pac-12 has a long way to go, but most of its issues are not related to the teams as much as they are related to the business. Uh, they are, when you start losing uh, coaches uh, because of the, you know, the, the facilities factor and because of the financial factor, and I guess to your point about Mike Leach, should that be a concern, listen, uh, it doesn't matter what school we're talking about. Uh, in the SEC, you're going to make uh, north of $4 million, okay? Coach Orgeron, by the way, is one of the lower-paid coaches. I think he's 3.5 mil for him. He'll certainly get a big bump. But he's also paying his coordinators, you know, respectively $2 million each, $2 million shared by the offense and over $2 million to Dave Aranda. Uh, the Pac-12 has got to find a way to fix its financial issues and that falls flatly right at the doorstep of uh, of its commissioner, no doubt about it. One of the things we heard from uh, Cristobal and some others in the conference is there wasn't enough weight put on winning your conference when it comes to playoff consideration. Uh, a, do you agree with that? And B, can there be anything done about that? Well, the governance in college football is still, I mean, it's in total disarray. Uh yeah, look when when these games were played. Um, the, the, I think most of the country and the, look, the ratings are going to come out and through the six or seven different platforms that ESPN trotted out there. And I thought they did a wonderful job blanketing uh, their coverage last night and through the week. Uh, the, the games are still played after NFL playoff games. It's dominated the news, and uh, you know it's just there's, there's, they got to completely overhaul and restructure the format. 
and not allow the calendar to dictate to them uh, through NFL playoff games where they need to put put their college football games. That fact that that game is on a Monday night this deep into January uh, after another 16-day layoff between semifinal games is just absurd. So college football's got a lot of issues, despite the success of last night's game with two undefeated teams. And as I said, the ratings will come out and they'll be fine. But the narrative for college football has diminished. Um, there's very little talk about college football nationally through the course of the week by comparison to what we had when we were moving away from the BCS and going to the playoffs. The lack of inclusion, the lack of stability, and known factors. Uh, Mario Cristobal's point is, is well, well made, but it's, it changes every year. The committee will use whatever uh, contrived transparency they want to justify whatever decision they make. And, um, and, and this year, uh, the winning your conference championship didn't mean as much. Uh, it just didn't. Uh, but, but we need to have those aspects, that subjectivity removed for, you know, some, some real, here's what you must do to qualify. Uh, and until we expand to eight teams, we're not going to get that. Well, people say, well, but I mean, we had three teams that were undefeated. Do we really get four? It's that, that's not the point. That's not the point. It's how we get to the best two teams. We had the best two teams playing last night. I don't think there's any question about that. Ohio State can bet to differ, but they lost, and they had a 16 to nothing lead and lost uh, to Clemson. So, you know, I've got no qualm with who we had playing. I do have issues with how we got there. And um, we need more uh, definites as part of the criteria, not all of these different uh, aspects within these nebulous thoughts that are put on paper that the committee can use whenever they want to justify whatever decision they make when it's all so very subjective. That's, that's got to be taken care of. College football uh, is the most mismanaged sport uh, of all sports in our country today. It is still a five-conference cartel. Uh, it will conveniently take up care of its, its brand names, and uh, it has allowed the media, the mainstream media, to just dismiss it and say we only have to worry about four or five teams every year. Uh, as good as LSU and Clemson are, again, two teams from the same part of the country, the Sun Belt region of our country. And there is a complete disconnect for the West Coast and the East Coast when we have this. And uh, I, I've got no problem with the championship coming down to the same two teams. I just want those teams that from, from other parts of the country, be it the Pac-12 or the, the Big Ten or – uh, anywhere in the, uh, along the eastern seaboard. I want them all to have an opportunity. Uh, and, and we need to move in that direction. I think we will. But, um, you know, we're going to need, uh, you know, someone that's really strong, that's, that's in a position of power. Someone like a Jim Delaney, maybe, now that he's no longer Big Ten commissioner, uh, to step in and have a voice and say, fellas, listen, <laughs> uh, reasonable minds can agree that we've got to do something to improve the narrative for our sport because we are losing ground uh, in terms of its daily importance to the fabric of sports in our country. Tim, as always, we appreciate having you and all your opinions on. Thanks for coming on and enjoy the big college basketball game. You bet, fellas. All the best to you. Talk to you later.